Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are Scream Blackulous Scream and Blackenstein. Oh, God. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Yeah, because most slashers are terrible, especially slasher remakes, so. It's a, it's, it's a really good point. I think there are only like three actually good slasher movies that have ever been made. And all the rest of them are just terrible movies that happen to be awesome movies. No, that's not true. There's more than three good movies in the Friday Thirteenth franchise. I did. But are they? I mean, are they like le- the, the the question is? Are they legitimately like if if you broke down all the technical stuff of the filmmaking and all that? Are they good movies? Because I would argue there's maybe two in the franchise. And then the rest gonna, of them are awesome movies that aren't necessarily good movies. I'm going to say one, two, and four are inarguably good movies. And that, like that leaves it. I'm saying inarguably. Those are the ones that I think it, it's it's almost impossible to argue against those being considered right. good movies. And then once you get past that, there's just so many others that there's got to be another one. And I said four, so I said there's more than three. So. Is that what I said? <laughs> What did I say? <laughs> I think I said there's more than three. So I'm saying I can I can give you three that I think it's pretty hard to argue against, and then there's just got to be at least one more good one. Because a movie like Jason X is, I think, objectively good in the sense that they accomplished what they were trying to accomplish with that movie. Yeah, it's meant it's meant to be more campy and more fun than some of the other ones, but it's still they did what they were trying to do. I, I think sometimes though, using that definition of of being good doesn't work because that's like saying. Well, he threw shit at a canvas, and now there's shit on a canvas, so that's art. You know what I mean? Because he meant to throw shit at a canvas, so it's, it's intentional. Yeah, but I mean, objectively speaking, that would qualify as art. I'm not saying I particularly <laughs> look at that. I, I suppose so. <laughs> it's just, just trying to be fair. I, I don't recommend throwing shit at a canvas, but... I mean, once again, don't don't get me wrong. I like J- Jason X a lot, but it's not it's not a good movie. <laughs> like, but isn't it though? Is, because it's it's campy, but it's campy on purpose, right? Yeah, I, I still I just can't say it's a good movie. It's I, just like, I think I think the performances are good. The effects are good. Some of the effects are a little dated, the computerized ones, but that's not. That, those are dated. They're not bad. That's they're, those are different things. Well, I agree with Noah. It's not a good movie. It's a great movie. Once again, I love that movie. It's awesome. 
It's just not a good movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. See, I think, no, I, I think it is a good movie, though. I think it, like, uh, from a technical perspective, again, what are the flaws in that movie? Like, you could say, okay, the humor is not going to work for everybody, but that's a subjective thing. You could argue that it's campy, but that's intentional. That's part of the filmmaking. I, I don't... I don't know that I can point to a lot of flaws in Jason X that are not just, you know, opinion matters. Certain people's tastes might not be attuned to it, but. Is this going to be another Buffy the Vampire Slayer conversation? No. I don't think so. Well, we'll we'll see. It might get there. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to us in February if we're still yelling about it. So anyways, black people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Let's get into this week's. <laughs> does, does this make? Does it make this our Kwanzaa episode or whatever? Does that sound to... Jesus. See, see, like it sounds like that's going to be followed by something racist, but it's really not. <laughs> Just saying. Well, Movies. Let, let's say it's not going to intentionally be followed by something racist. <laughs> we could mess up. Uh, Jesus. Uh, all right. Yeah. So we decided to do two, um, uh, exploitation horror movies, sort of a sequel to an episode that we did about a year ago or so. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be talking about scream, blackula scream, and then Blackenstein. It's going to be, it's going to be quite an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, these, so first up, sure are movies. <laughs> yeah, they're on film. Uh, so the first one, Scream, Blackula, Scream. Uh, our hero character, Blackula, is revived through voodoo magic. Oh, yeah. And instantly becomes infatuated with Pam Greer because... She's Pam I mean, Greer. It's Pam Greer, so of yep. course... Um, and then he wants her to pr- to do some voodoo ceremony that would rid him of his vampirism so he could go back to Africa and be not Blackula again. The, and then, the goals uh, are, a little, um, are a little off there because you're like, where would he go if he wasn't a vampire anymore? <laughs> he's, yeah. He knows he's not still a prince, right? <laughs> uh, then throughout the movie, he uh, satiates his bloodlust and turns people into vampires. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much it. Oh, you're leaving out the ending, right in the middle of the big, uh, right in the middle of the big transformation ceremony where Pam Grier's doing her magic on him. The cops screw it, show up, fuck everything up, and uh, next thing you know, he's getting stabbed by a voodoo doll. Uh, <laughs> that is true. I figured we were going to get to that. Yeah, we will. So, so what do we think? Blav, scream, Blackula, scream. Well, go ahead. I was going to say, I really, really like Scream Blackula Scream. I like it better than the first one, even though I think maybe technically parts of the first one might be better. Uh, I do miss that in the second one, for some reason, they got rid of him screaming into people's neck wounds as he bit them. (laughs) Makes me really sad. I was actually surprised that didn't come back. Um,. Yeah, I don't think I liked it as much as the first one. Um, I did, for some reason, I did love the weird shot of him 
like running across the room being lit from below and just gives his face like this weird like lighting and shit yeah it's super fucking weird it's really noticeable (laughs) (laughs) when i was putting like an instagram post up to show that i was watching this movie i saw pictures of that scene and i thought oh shit nobody got a good screen capture and then i watching the movie and this the scene happens and I'm like oh no those screen captures are really good actually <laughs> those are perfectly accurate <laughs> so so I, I can admit two things of this movie this is not the best mm. black exploitation movie in the world and this is not obviously the best horror movie in the world either mm-hmm. and it's and it's not even the best combination of those two things but interesting fact this was named the worst black exploitation movie in history, which is clearly Ouch. false. Clearly yeah, I don't, false. Yeah, I don't think I'd go that far. Right. I mean, there's still like yeah, vampires I, and stuff. I can't remember what the name of the the book is. There was a book written that, like, you know, was all the worst movies ever made, and in that book, this is listed as the worst black exploitation movie ever made. That doesn't make any sense. That's that that to me screams of someone who uh, doesn't like horror sequels. Because yeah. this this any problems that are exist in this film are I mean they're, they're the things I like about it. It's the fact that it is a, a typical horror sequel where they're like, how do we find a weird way to bring the villain that we killed last movie back? <laughs> All right, how about voodoo? Got it. Now, should we write a whole plot? Nope. Let's start filming. We'll just we'll just figure it out. There'll be a plot. It'll be there'll be enough. Trust me. And they'll be like, well, how are we gonna uh, how are we gonna make this long enough to call it a movie? Ah, uh, he'll have to kill some more people in the middle, I guess. Okay. All right. But he's already started talking about the fact that he wants to get rid of this curse. Yeah, but he's still gonna kill some more people. It'll be fine. <laughs> you know. And that's, he has I mean, to satiate his bloodlust. Like. Like personally, I had a, I had a really fun time watching this because it is very much just a horror movie sequel. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's especially from that time period where they didn't really know what to do, and they're just like, yeah. ah, I don't know, voodoo. He comes back from voodoo. All right. Yeah, and it, it feels like I think when we talked about the first Blackula, I compared it a lot to like the Hammer movies that were coming out at the time, mm-hmm. and this feels like one of the like the Hammer sequels that came out. You know, the ones, the later ones where Christopher Lee clearly didn't want to be Dracula anymore. <laughs> and so they're like, in this one, he's not going to talk. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, um, and that's that's what this feels like. It feels like somebody went, we need a sequel to Blackula. And they're like, well, Blackula died at the end. Yeah, but you can bring him back. How about Voodoo? And everyone's just like, all right, let's run with that. Let's just go with it. It's fine. <laughs> Are we going to explain why there's Every, a everybody's like in L.A.? No. That seems, All right. That seems a little racist. Is this a white guy directing this movie? (laughs) Nobody said that. It was 1972. (laughs) Or 73, sorry, because 72 was the first movie. Uh, Did you guys notice, since this is technically a sequel episode of a movie we'd done before, did you notice that in this movie they address one of the things we were joking about in the first movie? No. What was it? the, the, The vampire hunter guy, the guy who figures out that there are vampires, basically the second time he encounters this guy, they're sitting at a table and he's looking at him and he's basically like, yeah, you're the fucking vampire. Like, you're wearing a goddamn cake. Look at you wearing a goddamn cake. Talking about how ruby red the fucking wine is. And pine motherfucker, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... It, 
it's funny the elements of like the that one cop that figures out he's a vampire and starts hunting him down and stuff and you're like all that is just rushed right through like we're not here for that that's not what this movie's about this movie is not a, an investigation into how do we figure out who's committing these murders <laughs> this movie is let's get uh, some uh whatever black actors are willing to show up let's put them in ridiculous over-the-top outfits even by 1973 standards <laughs> have them speak in over-the-top uh stereotypical black language and then you know vampire story in the background with some voodoo and stuff yeah sure because yeah. i mean which, the, the movie which is why it's awesome <laughs> yeah no I, I, these are all compliments i'm giving it just so we're clear <laughs> um like because even at the beginning, it's like the movie opens up with that they're fighting over who gets to be the leader of the either gang or voodoo cult, whichever one it is, or some combination thereof. And that guy is like he's jealous because he thinks he should be the leader, so he's going to resurrect a vampire to kill the others. And I'm like, he's just going to get eaten as soon as he resurrects a vampire. Like that plan's not going to work. <laughs> if you resurrect a vampire, the vampire's not going to do what you ask it to do. And then he does this little voodoo thing with the bones, which is actually a pretty cool scene by 70s horror movie standards. And then Vampire like looks at him and he's like, now you'll do my bidding. Blackula's like, no, now I'm going to bite you in the fucking neck. <laughs> and he proceeds to do that. And I'm like, well, that's what you get. Like, I don't have a lot of sympathy for that guy. If you use voodoo to resurrect a vampire, you're going to get bit. That's just and how then, it is. And then the best thing is, after that guy comes back as a vampire, instead of all the side vampires being mindless in this one, they actually, you know, some of them have a few lines and stuff. Yeah. But basically, Blackula spends the entire rest of the movie making that dude his, like, bitch. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah, he I like really it when to pick on that guy. I like it when he gets really pissed because he can't see himself in the mirror. <laughs> so he's going to go out to the club and he's like, I can't see myself. This is bullshit. I love that too. I love the juxtaposition of that scene because he's doing like that. I don't even know what the politically correct term is for that jive talking like 70s black guy talk. And Blackula is still like playing a deadpan straight. It's like, this is part of the curse of being the undead. You cannot see your reflection. <laughs> it's like, the other guy's like, oh man, it's my tie on straight. He's like doing that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing that weird purple checkered outfit that he's got on. <laughs> but I mean, he's wearing that like ridiculous over the top seventies outfit. And then Blackula's standing there in the full on cape. And you're just like, and they're having this conversation. I'm like, this is great. I'm really enjoying watching this conversation between these two <laughs> about reflections. Jesus. Did you uh, really like it when, uh, Black Yellow went to the museum and decided to nerd out on the guys. And he's like calling, he's like calling out like the history professors for getting the ages of certain pieces of jewelry wrong. He's like, no, this belonged to this person. They're like, how would you know? And he's like, oh, I know. <laughs> They're all like, wait, are you a vampire who was alive at the time? Is that why you know? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I'm pretty sure the vampire hunter, that's what he does later. He's like, okay, dude shows up, has a bunch of knowledge of old <laughs> random things, Five seconds after he leaves the party, someone gets bitten by a fucking vampire. <laughs> that guy's the vampire. I think I've got it all figured out. <laughs> Un unlike the first one where everybody's like, he's the only new person. <laughs> How have you not figured this out? So there's a vampire around here, right? There's everybody else we've known for a long time. There's one new guy. He's dressed exactly like a vampire. I wonder who the vampire could be. And it takes them an hour and a half of that first movie to figure it out. Yeah. 
He's very literally wearing a cape. He's, he's chasing people around and like, you know, in clubs and, and, and on the streets and nobody just, you know, turns and looks at his face. But again, that's none of those problems exist in Scream Blackula Scream because they, they correct all the plot problems by eliminating all the plot. <laughs> Uh, I also really enjoy the scene where he bumps into the prostitute and then he's getting uh, harassed by the pimps. <laughs> and and we get the carryover of Blackula ain't down with slavery of any kind. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So about the only thing, I, I, my big complaint, not enough Pam Greer in this movie. And... Almost no Pam Greer with any clothes off. What's going on with that? There is Pam that. Greer movie. That's kind of like a bonus of a Pam Greer movie. <laughs> there is that, but I guess I can't fault it too much because I don't remember there being any nudity in the first one either. But I don't remember. It's been too long since I watched it. So I don't know. I could have just used Art. Pam Greer with more to do in this movie. Aren't sequels but. supposed to go bigger, as they say? Mm, I guess. And there ain't much bigger than Pam Greer with her top off. <laughs> I think you're. Uh, I think you're getting your sequel uh, periods wrong. This is a '70s sequel, not an '80s sequel. They didn't increase the budget and give them more time to work out all the details. They were like, "We need this back in theaters. We need the sequel in theaters before before people forget about the first one." <laughs> Hurry. Go, 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 go. You have a six month turnaround. <laughs> uh I don't remember. In the first one, does he turn into a bat? I can't remember if it shows it or not. I feel like he didn't he turn into like a really shitty looking bat. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't remember. I was just excited that he turns into a bat in this one though. Yeah. I was like, fuck yeah. He really is for all of the like we're the, we're talking about this as a black exploitation movie and everything. He's really just a very typical vampire character who happens to be black. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Is anybody else got any fun scenes from the movie? I mean, the voodoo doll at the end is fantastic. <laughs> When they've got that voodoo doll and they're stabbing it, and I don't know the actor that plays Blackula. I used to have his name in my head, but I don't anymore. And he's just thrusting thrusting around. Like it it looks great. It's so fun to watch. (laughs) And I have no idea. Like it's this very ambiguous ending where I'm like, what does that do if you stab a voodoo doll of a vampire? Like it wouldn't kill him unless you put a wood stake through the voodoo doll's heart. I guess. I don't. I don't know. Did you guys feel like that ending was very much an Italian uh, 70s movie ending for some reason? The way it just, like, abruptly ends, you know what I mean? It's like, Black Hill and Pain, Black Hill and Pain, end of movie! And you're like, wait, nope, wait, no, that's not over. (laughs) Either has to be seen living or seen dying at the end of the movie. Not You can't just, eh, whatever. Maybe he lived, maybe he died. No way to tell. So we have yeah. no idea if this was meant to be the end of the story. I don't believe there's a third movie in the series, but maybe they're trying to set one up. Yeah, maybe they're trying to franchise it <laughs> before that was even a thing. 
I don't know. It's ready. It's ready for a remake. <laughs> Do you think they would try to remake this into Blackula? Blackula rides again. Come on now. What if the people from uh, Black Dynamite did a sequel to Blackula? Oh, see, I, I think they could nail it. Yeah. I was going to say, that might work. I don't know if it's straight up like we're trying to take this seriously. <laughs> no, I think, I think it would need to be. I, I think you could legitimately turn it into a, like a real horror movie, but I think it would have to be self-aware enough mm-hmm. to survive modern uh, sentimentality. <laughs> Yeah, I think they should just stay away from it. I think they <laughs> see, but you'd say the same thing about something like Black Belt Jones and Black Dynamite's awesome. Hmm. All right, I have not seen Black Dynamite. Oh, it's on the list. We're gonna do it Dynamite. soonish. Let's see, again, we've had this discussion before. When once you get into the hardcore black exploitation stuff, it doesn't do much for me. I almost I almost picked it for uh, next week's movies, but I couldn't find it available anywhere. Real easy for Doug, so I was like, "Man, okay, we'll hold off on that one." <laughs> All right. Well, something I know Doug was able to watch, and you posted on Instagram was something that's been on your to watch list for quite a while. Was Blackenstein? So you want yeah. to tell us all about Blackenstein? Yeah, Blackenstein has been on my watch list since I. That's how I knew that um, black exploitation horror existed. Was I found the VHS like when I was a kid, and I'm like, I showed it to my parents, being like, I don't. Is this a Frankenstein movie? What? And they were like trying to explain the concept of black exploitation <laughs> to me when I was like seven. And I'm like, I'm gonna see this, and they're like, No, we're not renting that because I think just because they didn't want to watch it, I don't think it had anything to do with any, like, anything else. And I kind of forgot about it until it ended up on our list and I'm like oh yeah I've always wanted to see that um <laughs> but anyways yeah I, I was able to watch it this week it's basically it's really very much a retelling of the Frankenstein story it's set in the 70s a Vietnam vet comes back with uh, no use of his arms or legs and his uh, fiance who happens to be a doctor is working with her former mentor to try to find a cure. They do limb transplants and they do these weird DNA injections, which they clearly don't know what DNA injections are. (laughs) Um, They're just using that terminology because it sounds cool. And it seems to be working until the, uh, the Igor of the piece switches out the wrong DNA samples what by literally dick. sitting there with literally pouring it into glass cups and mixing and matching it in these vials, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, that fucks everything up and turns the soldier guy into a Frankenstein-like monster who proceeds to get out of the castle they're working in. I forgot to mention this whole thing takes place in a castle despite <laughs> the fact was... that it's in like L.A. in the 70s. <laughs> I was going to say, although instead of being undead beastie, instead he's turned into like a Cro-Magnon caveman beastie. Yeah. I mean, but it's essentially the same impact. Um, yeah, he kills a bunch of people. They're investigating, trying to figure out why, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's, basically, it's basically a modern update on the James Whale take of Frankenstein. 
I did think using this as a vehicle to talk about the Vietnam War was an interesting idea. I agree. Uh, but holy shit, nothing happens in this movie for a long goddamn time. Okay, I don't know if I agree with that. Because the first part of the movie is very much about him, about his journey and how he's being treated as, as a soldier. It's all about that part. Mm-hmm. Right? So when you say nothing happens, we get scenes of him stuck in a hospital bed, you know, and being mistreated and basically people, people including himself, thinking that, okay, you were injured in war, now you're an inconvenience for society. Just go over here and stay out of the way until you die in your bed kind of thing. And Sure. Like the evil scientist in this case, he's not, or I should say mad scientist, he's really trying to help this person who des- deserves to be helped get back into society um, and become a functioning person again, whereas most of mainstream society is not trying to do that. And I think that the social commentary is really in the forefront of that first half of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then, well, I was watching it and I'm just like, holy shit, he's not even like, they haven't even started like working on him yet. And so I clicked on it and I'm like, holy fuck, it's been half an hour and there's only 45 minutes left of the movie. And then yeah. he still wasn't turned for like another 10 minutes after that. I was like, good Lord. So I didn't get to see him kill anybody until about like 45 minutes into the movie. Right. But that's... I mean, it's definitely a slower paced movie than some of the other things we discuss in this podcast, mm-hmm. but that's not that uncommon for it to take a while for the killer. To okay. But compare it to Blackenstein or Blackenstein is what we're talking about. Uh, scream, Blackula scream. Literally in the first 10 minutes, he brings Blackula back to life and he's like, ah, fuck you. And just kills that dude. Yeah. But that's a sequel. You didn't have to get past all the character development because you already knew who everybody involved was. Okay, in the first Blackula. <laughs> in the first Blackula, it does move relatively slow. We get that whole scene where Blackula meets up with racist Dracula, remember? Yeah, that's like in the first five minutes. And then he turns him into Blackula and seals him up in a coffin. It was delightful that in the sequel they took the time to give us a flashback of racist Dracula. <laughs> you, shall, you shall bear my name, Blackula. Like, why has it got to be Blackula? You son of a bitch. Yeah, so with Blackenstein, I would say the clearly the biggest problem with this movie is whoever did the special effects was not very good at them. <laughs> and so whoever their cinematographer was was forced to do these like real quick cuts on like the gory kills and things like that to avoid you know lingering on the bad effects yeah i find some of the like some of the makeup effects are decent in the sense of like when he rips that one guy's arm off of of him and he's got that in his hand and uh it looks pretty cool but we don't get to kind of see it come off because they clearly don't have the budget to do that so it's just kind of cut away cut back and now he's holding the guy's arm well, we we see some of it when they're standing behind like a privacy screen at a hospital. Yeah, through shadow, which is really just a 
a pretty cheesy way to cover up the fact <laughs> you don't have the budget to do the effect. But and it was funny that uh, because uh, that because that uh, orderly or whatever you want to call him was just being a dick to him while he was in the hospital. And as soon yeah. as he gets like Frankenstein powers, he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna go fuck that guy up." Right, makes sense. That's what you would do. <laughs> I'd say the other big thing is, so in Blackula, you know, maybe the it's not like the script is the script was Oscar winning or anything, but all of the actors were competent and and delivering mm-hmm. uh, at least decent performances, if not fairly good performances. And in this movie. There aren't a lot of good performances to go around, maybe with the exception of the dude who looks like uh, old Dick Van Dyke for some fucking reason playing Frankenstein. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke from that show Diagnosis Murder that he was on? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I was like, is that him? And I was like, no, this is the 70s. He would be way younger. I was like, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> Where's Scott Baio? Uh, Scott Baio is on the show, too. I think in his later years, old Dick Van Dyke totally ripped this dude's uh, aesthetic off. <laughs> yeah, I saw Dick this Van movie. Dyke watched Blackenstein, <laughs> and he's like, now I know what I want to look like in 1985 through 92. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> so it sounds like you guys are way more down on this movie than I am. I, I, I admittedly, I'm a bit of a sucker for the Frankenstein story. I pretty much like all incarnations of it but I think this is just a, a fun little retelling of that story with, them, with just kind of modernizing it I mean I don't hate this one I just think it's a weak uh, it's weak even compared to the other black exploitation horror movies we've watched which is, well, a little, the- which is sad because I, I feel like it's it's got all these elements to it that could be a really really good movie and instead, mm-hmm. it, it, it it it's just kind of the way it was put together. Like even the dubs bad on it. Yeah. Well, full disclosure, I watched it through YouTube, so I I don't really formulate judgments on things like the dub when I do that because it could just be a bad transfer or whatever. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I watched it on Amazon Prime, but I watched it on my phone at work, so yeah, that doesn't help that <laughs> that discussion any, I guess. So I feel like yeah, like there's there's the bones of a, of a I would even say a very good movie here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's yeah, like the I idea said, of taking... the, the story I think is good. Like Vietnam vet who has lost his legs or use of his legs or whatever the they said it was. I don't remember and stuff. And I like I said, tying the Frankenstein mythos into this Vietnam story and how the, actually in this one the doctor is actually a very good like person like he's he's legitimately trying to help somebody and yeah his little assistant who's all pissed off about a fucking woman screws it all up just so this guy will die and he could date his girlfriend uh like i think the story's good it's just you know yeah and and i think like all that goes back to the original james whale interpretation of the story because Mm -hmm. the you know in in the book frankenstein's like a mad scientist but in in the updated version, he's always kind of the good guy who's trying to do something good, right? That tends to be the thing. He's always the guy that thinks he can 
save lives, and he ends up creating this monster sort of accidentally, and it's usually the assistant's fault in some way, whether he just takes steals the wrong brain because he takes the jar marked insane instead of the jar marked healthy, or whether it's more intentional like it is in this version. It's That's definitely the basis for it. But yeah, I, I think the movie suffers a little bit probably from its budget and from just mm-hmm. the acting isn't, isn't great. Um, it, it has a, a certain charm to it, I find, that comes with just being that sort of 70s low-budget thing that if you're interested in that kind of movie, they have their own sort of feel to them. It's, it's kind of like watching the Universal movies where it's like I know objectively a lot of that acting is stage acting and not great for movies, but I still like watching it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of enjoy that in these low-budget movies too. I kind of like that most of these people probably didn't have a lot of other acting roles and they just kind of <laughs> showed up and did this one thing or... Oh yeah, I mean, like there's stuff I like, like just the aesthetic of, all right, he's he's Frankensteinish now, and he's walked out of the castle that he's staying in. It's time to just encounter random people who are in the middle of having sex. I have to go let the dog in, and yep. I'm going to murder both of them. It's like what? He seems to be attracted to um, aggressive sexual situations, be they like sexual assaults or just guys who are just being a little over aggressive. But once he gets there, he's non-discriminatory. He doesn't pick. He doesn't take sides. <laughs> he's, like, the theme of like, oh, is he going to end up like saving all these women? And I'm like, no. Sometimes he kills the women. Sometimes he kills the men. He's just. It's, it's just random most of the time. I was gonna say, yeah, it does come across. Movie comes across a little rapey sometimes. Yeah, I think I think a little's being modest. <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a little rapey by seventies standards, right? Well, by the eighties, it wouldn't be rapey at all, and today it's really really offensive. So, <laughs> Wait, were you guys worried at all? So once once he gets into the confrontation with the uh, the the white chick with the red hair that he's kind of like chasing through that warehouse for a little while. Yeah. Were you guys like, what? Why are they really leaning into this all of a sudden? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, it gives all the rest of the kills were in like two seconds. And now he's in this whole situation with this girl. And I was like, is she going to like become the final girl all of a sudden in this horror movie? <laughs> and we haven't been introduced to this character at all. This is weird. Well, yeah, we need a white woman to come in to save everybody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was, it was a bit weird, strange, but yeah. but, but I, I don't know. I just took it as they had to they had to get the running time up, so right. the skill took a little longer. I mean, I thought it was better because that those scenes actually build a little bit more tension and dread than the the random here's some guy raping a girl in an alley. Frankenstein kills the guy. Frankenstein kills. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm like, wondering. I, how dare they? <laughs> I'm wondering if uh, if they filmed that. And they put the movie together and like, shit, this movie's only like 50 minutes long. So then they just added in him killing random people. Yeah. Or they might have had a couple of the longer scenes and then, I don't know, like whatever the equivalent to a studio exec would be in one of these movies. I was like, nah, more kills, more kills. <laughs> there ain't no tits in this movie. Put some tits in this movie. Yeah. I can picture a guy behind a desk yelling that. But, uh... Yeah, I'm, personally, I think the movie would be better if it, I don't know, I don't know, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, Brian, but if they slowed it down, had fewer kills, and had each kill 
take longer and be more intimidating. Do you think that would make the movie better? Uh, I mean, you're already complaining about it being too slow paced. Well, it would depend on um, how they changed up the pace of everything else, I guess. Right. I would say same amount of kills. You just spread them further out to the movie. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I don't really want them. I, I do wish they had better performances and probably a better director um, overall, like just higher quality filmmaking overall. But I think uh, I wouldn't want them to cut back much of that beginning stuff. I like the beginning stuff where he's stuck in the bed and he you know, sees himself as being worthless. Mm-hmm. If anything, I would have expanded some of the stuff involving the other patients at the hospital thing. I'd like to get to know those people a little better. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just wasn't in love with it, but... Sounds like you uh, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Enjoy it's it. been on your watch list. It has been, and it's. It, it, I mean, it's again. I, I, I fully admit, like I'm a sucker for the Frankenstein story, and this is essentially just an update of it. It's in some ways it's maybe considered a bit of a parody of the story. The way they, like the castle keeps every time they go back to it, I'm like, oh yeah, right. This movie's still taking place <laughs> in the castle. Every time you see the outside shots of it, I'm like. It's not sure why there's a castle in L.A. in 1970s, but whatever. <laughs> right, happens to be right next to a VA hospital. <laughs> oh, I was going to say so something. Have you guys... Oh, sorry. Now you're fine. Well, one thing I was I, I was going to ask you guys what you thought of um, this movie called Blackenstein. It, does it need to be? Is it? Really, a is it a black exploitation movie, and is it really even a movie that has to do much with race whatsoever? Because you've got like, I mean, our victim, like the, the guy who becomes the monster, he's a black guy, but so is the guy that turns him into one. It's not like it's white versus black. It's not like there's not the doctor guy is a white doctor, but there's also a black doctor who's the the fiance character. I don't, I don't know why this movie is called Blackenstein instead of just being called Frankenstein, and the character happens to be black, and we don't mention it. Um, I've seen, I think, in some markets they just call it Black Frankenstein, but that doesn't really help either. No, it's it's literally like I think the the full title of the movie is like Blackenstein, the Black Frankenstein, and I'm like, but his I don't like in very much in in Blackula and even in Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde, which we talked about last year, um, you know, those were black exploitation movies. Those were clearly made with that in mind. This one seems like it's well, you could replace that. The black characters with white people or the white characters with black people. And it wouldn't change anything. I don't think. No, I think it was just specifically finding specifically marketed towards, that black exploitation audience and yeah, Blackenstein's a catchy name. Yeah, I suspect it would have been very disappointing if you were hoping to see a black exploitation film and you saw mm-hmm. this because it doesn't yeah. really play up that angle at all. Like, like the defining characteristic of that guy is that he's a Vietnam vet, not his race, right? Wow. I don't know how you turn Vietnam vet to Frankenstein. There's probably not an easy <laughs> way to do that. 
What if instead the bio, the the scientist was uh, crazy and tired of all the pimps in in his uh, neighborhood? So he creates this black Frankenstein and sticks him on all the pimps. But then at the end, Blackenstein realizes that he's he's killing his own community and and he should be better than that and turns on the scientist. See, see that would be a black exploitation movie. <laughs> there you go. That'd be a very very. I would also want to see that movie. <laughs> yeah, just Blackenstein versus pimps is all you really need. Yeah, I mean, and you could reuse a lot of the footage from this movie for that. <laughs> just need a couple of expo- expo- exposition shots and uh, re-edit it, and you'd probably be good. Maybe some crazier outfits on some of the characters. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. I, I just thought that was—I just thought it was interesting that you would name a movie that and then have it. Not yeah, it's, it's definitely not as much in the genres. A lot of movies, specifically movies we've covered on this show. I, I actually, if anything, it's almost progressive in its view of race because you've got a black female doctor, and considering it's 1973, mm-hmm. nobody seems bothered by that whatsoever like when she meets up with her mentor he's just like yeah you need a job we could use another doctor around here hires her right on like none of the patients say anything about the fact that there's a black female doctor there mm-hmm. you know there's already the assistant uh, also black like you would think in, in a movie that's going to address it that there'd be somebody you know the old white guy who's stuck in the bed or whatever would be prejudiced or something but none of that really seems to come up yeah, even the uh, douchey uh, orderly never really gets on that dude's case about being black. It's just more about the fact that he went to Vietnam. Yeah, he uh, he's mad at the guy for going to Vietnam, mm-hmm. and I kept kind of I kept trying to like wait for the the racism to come out there, and it really doesn't, from what I gathered. No, yeah, which I was kind of surprised about. Yeah. So. It's, I, I want to make it clear that I'm not complaining that the movie isn't racist enough. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just I'm just making an observation about the fact that it's not really uh, a black exploitation movie. It's just it's almost racist that they call it Blackenstein because they're just like, yeah, voice the lead actor is black, so we have to market this movie to black people. So we're just going to do it that way, <laughs> just by naming it that. All right. Anything else? Uh, no. I mean, I I had fun with this movie. It doesn't sound like you guys enjoyed it as much, but it doesn't yeah. make any of us are saying it's bad per se, right? Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't get as much out of it as I was hoping, I guess. Yeah. Again, it's I watched it for free on YouTube. You know, if I was paying to see this in theaters, maybe my perspective would be a little different, but... Well, the funny thing is I watched this on Amazon Prime, but in preparation, because I knew we were going to do this episode eventually, I ended up buying it on Blu-ray, like, about a year ago. So, I got a copy on my shelf. It may be an over Yeah. We'll see. I'll have, to, I'll have to look if there's any special features. Maybe be an interview or two that may change my mind. Probably not. Well. <laughs> no. I don't. I don't understand what they 
would ask the actors that would convince you this is a good movie. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, we got one piece of feedback. Uh, This one's for Noah. Our good buddy Kent in Terre Haute sent sent an email, subject line, worst durst, question mark. I uh, said, so, hey, guys, this quick question is directed at Noah. Uh, would you, would you, oh, who would you rather have babysit loved ones, Fred Durst or Robert Durst? And also, I hope you all continue, continue don't simber, but you've probably diverted from it. Oh, well, there's always next year. So what's it going to be, Noah? Fred Durst or Robert Durst? Did we do a Don't Simber? No, oh, we, we did, did the Don't Movies in December. Do you remember last week, Noah? No. <laughs> the movie said Don't, the title last week. Uh-huh. Don't, don't Look in the Attic, Don't Look in the Basement? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> do you seriously not remember what I've, the show topic was last I've, week? I've slept since then. Uh, so... So I, I, I actually saw this email a couple days ago, and I've been thinking about it. And unfortunately, I think the answer is Robert Durst. Jesus and now, hear Christ. me out. <laughs> hear me out. If I leave children with Robert Durst, they might end up dead, right? And dismembered. Yeah, which is bad. But if I leave them with Fred Durst, he might, like affect their judgment and turn them into little Fred Durst and then I might as well send them to Robert Durst's house <sighs> do you know who Robert Durst is Doug uh, I know the name I don't know all the details he's that super rich guy that apparently allegedly murdered like three people over the span of like 20 years Basically got away with it until he almost didn't. He, he may have admitted it on the HBO series The Jinx. Okay. That's yeah, Robert Durst. I have not seen The Jinx, but I remember that coming out. Yeah. How about, how about a better solution? Can I have a Robert Durst uh, watch Fred Durst? <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. Put them in some kind of weird Coliseum-esque reality show where they just Hey, respect the game, that's not the question (laughs) Can't just be like, which celebrity can I have kill which other celebrity (laughs) (laughs) Answer Shia LaBeouf Oh, jeez You really want those kids to turn out to be a douchebag, huh? Oh, no, I was answering Doug's question. He said you could have oh. any celebrity kill another celebrity. And <laughs> the answer to both halves of that question are Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> oh. Although, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I I enjoy 
I enjoy his uh, self-aware late career stuff he's been doing now where pretty much just the joke is that he's Shia LaBeouf and I can I can tolerate that stuff unlike the fucking movie series that he infected like a weird human virus which one Transformers or Indiana Jones all of them (laughs) Transformers isn't his fault we know whose fault Transformers is yeah remember that that construction robot that had balls We don't talk about it. <laughs> I'm honestly, Stop I'm bringing it up. I've blocked a lot of Transformers out of my head. Well, Transformers like... Two is is the movie that made me feel the most guilty because it's one of very few times where I've screamed out in a theater. I just couldn't take it anymore. That's <laughs> <laughs> when the fucking Ghost Transformers showed up. Oh, you mean when he went to Robot Heaven? Yeah, and I was just. I couldn't, I'm like, and I just went, oh, fucking Michael Bay. But I didn't realize I was saying it out of the movie theater. And several people looked over at me. <laughs> Nobody applauded? I would have. And then I just, I tuned out for the rest of the movie and never saw another Transformers movie. And I feel that was for the best. That was the last one I saw as well. And that's why I did not go see the, uh, the Ninja Turtle remakes. I was like, no, no, no. He took uh, he took Transformers away from me. I'm not letting him do that with the Turtles. It was very clear that those Ninja Turtle movies were not for me. They were for a different audience. So yeah, but it just makes me sad that plus we already had some a people's Ninja Turtle movie. Yeah, plus that makes it that's that's somebody's version of the Turtles, and that just makes me sad. Oh yeah. Which uh, which people which, are so quick to forget about the good turtles. Yeah. Which which movie was the perfect Ninja Turtle movie? Noah. The first Ninja Turtles movie. Okay, that's. I was hoping you were going to say that, otherwise you were going to be kicked off the show. No. First first Ninja Turtles movie, awesome. Second one, not as good, but but fun. Third one. Uh, okay, well that went off the rails pretty quick. <laughs> live action, live action TV show. Who the fuck is making this? Uh, I can answer a lot of those questions orig- for you. Or, original cartoon, very good. Everything else, shit. <laughs> well, comic books, good. Everything else, shit. Uh, the new season of uh, the Toys That Made Us is. Is up. Oh yeah, yeah. Watch that. Yeah, the first one is the Ninja Turtles, and I was like, "Holy shit!" They go go into a lot of detail, and some of it's very sad. It was very. T- well, I guess that's a spoiler. There's a if you know anything about the guys who made the Ninja Turtles, there's a very touching scene at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. Uh, maybe mild spoiler. I, I don't know how deep you anybody cares about the real story of the Ninja Turtles, but the fact that uh, was it fucking Eastman who sold all of his rights to him to uh, the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Basically, oh. one sold all their rights to the other guy for an okay chunk of money, and then yeah. basically they immediately got sold for a bajillion dollars. <laughs> 
Yeah, pretty much. And they have not been on speaking terms since then. <laughs> See, uh, there's always that thing when you mix, you know, business with friendships and art and everything else. It's like you agreed to sell it. You agreed to sell it for a certain sum of money. We've had this discussion even when we were discussing like the creators of Superman and other things. It's like, well, there's you, you made a deal. If you got what you, you promised in the deal, well, I, I would say there's a little more to it. Okay, so, I haven't seen it, yeah. so, well, so the the original guy sold his rights to the. So there's there's two guys who came up with it. One guy sold his rights to the other one because they were trying to sell those rights to do a few things with them, and the the one guy basically said over my dead body will actually sell it. We lease these rights. We do all this stuff, but you know, I'm not, I do not want to give up mine. So the other guy's like, fine. Well, if you're going to be that way, just buy me out and you can have my stuff and you can be bullheaded. So he says, okay. And he does that. And then like five years later, somebody came in and was like, we'll give you $50 million. And he was like, okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. See, I don't know. See, I, I look at that and go, yeah, they made a deal. And when that much money is on the table, why wouldn't you take it? And, yeah, there's it, there's it's a roller coaster. It's a really interesting episode that I mean, talks a lot about the toys. But I mean, majority of the episode is just about the roller coaster of being the creators of the Ninja Turtles. So, I mean, it's it's, just, I, I thought it was, it's crazy. I never knew exactly how fast that the licensing machine took off from when they released that yeah. comic book. Because I thought yeah. the original comic book kind of came out, was around for a little while, and then all the other stuff happened. But apparently that's not what happened. It came out, immediately blew up, and was a big thing. And then, yeah, some lowly guy who didn't even really have his own company yet was like, oh, if they'll let me license this and sell licenses... We can make a ton of money. And they're like, yeah, sure, why not? And he made and he, them, did. he made them a shit ton of money. Yeah. It's a really it's fascinating episode. It's actually the only episode of the series that I've watched. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm in the mood to kind of start this series and I hit play thinking it would play the very first episode from the first season and it went right to the Ninja Turtles episode and I was like, Yeah. All right, I guess. I can't believe you, you might as well watch that whole series. All those. Oh, I know. It's, it's amazing how interesting all those toys are. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I I'm mean, planning on it. I just hadn't gotten around to it. The The one about Power Rangers toys is pretty fun, too, because uh, it kind of gives you the history of how that show came into development, which that's a crazy story all on its own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With a Saibon and, and Sentai shows and all that kind of stuff. It's wild. Well, since I've been talking about this episode that I watched, what has everybody else been watching? By, by the way, that whole Ninja Turtles talk, that's who Noah would leave his kid with, which jurist. That's <laughs> minutes of Ninja Turtle discussion. It's the official response. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. Because that's how we roll. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, 
I don't know. I think I caught up on a bunch of TV shows. I, I watched all of the toys that made us mm-hmm. to catch up on that. And then they now they have that new series of the movies that made us. Yeah. Which is basically the exact same show, but it breaks down a movie each episode. I think the, the first season was real short. It's only like four episodes, right? Uh, did you watch it? I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, in which yeah. they did. It's like Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Ghostbusters. Oh, fuck. I can't remember what the other two are. The Ghostbusters one was really interesting. I didn't like... I I had heard bits and pieces of it, but I don't think I'd ever heard the full story of, hmm. like, what that movie could have been if uh, <laughs> putting their hands in the pot, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm sounds like it would have been shit if Dan Aykroyd would have just if somebody would have just gave him a bunch of money and been like okay go make your movie it would have been bad <laughs> especially if it shook out the way it was originally original. intended right it was like I'm in space hunting ghosts like it's really weird well, something like and that it was supposed and to be the- him and John Belushi and uh, Eddie Murphy as the mm-hmm. original cast and I think originally John Candy was supposed to play Rick Moranis' role in it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just... It would have been a weird movie. Oh, and Home, Home Alone. Home Alone's one of the other movies they do. Hmm. Which, that's really interesting, too. I didn't realize how crazy that is. <laughs> but it's it's really... If you're interested in like the weird nitty gritty like behind the scenes dealings that that filmmakers do, it's interesting. And, and you know they've got Ivan Reitman doing interviews and stuff about Ghostbusters, and that's always fun because he's he's yeah. a pleasant guy. <laughs> and then it makes yeah. you sad that like they could have made Ghostbusters. Busters 3 10 years ago whenever fucking Harold Ramis was still alive and instead they pissed around and now mm. we're going to finally get it but without Ramis which is bullshit yeah Bill Murray's fault yeah goddamn Bill Murray <laughs> they pretty much one of the things they say in that episode is so Dan talked about doing it and Bill's like yeah yeah whatever I'll but you know what I mean? But he hasn't signed anything. He didn't sign any contracts or do anything. And they're just relying on the fact that he said he was going to do this movie. Mm-hmm. And it keeps ticking down and keeps ticking down. And they're all like, Bill's doing it right. And Dan Aykroyd's going, well, he said he was going to. And it keeps ticking down and keeps ticking down. And then they find out, like, they're supposed to start shooting tomorrow. And he's in another country shooting some other movie. <laughs> And they're like, oh, my fucking God, he is going to fuck us. And then they said, eight in the morning, whenever everybody shows up, Bill Murray walks through the door like, <laughs> like all right, I'm here. Let's make the movie. And it just like and, and you, it cuts to Dan Aykroyd and he goes, that's just the way he is. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't I can't explain. I was going to say, I've heard that that's that's even still how he works, like. Apparently, he does not have an agent. He doesn't have a manager. Uh, he has a phone number that if you want him in your movie, you call him. And, you know, through whatever means, get him the script. If he likes it, 
he'll he'll show up Leave if a he does mail or something. Yeah, like he just you may not he he pretty much won't sign anything and will end up either doing the movie or not, but you may not find out till like right before, which is funny and shitty at the same time. Yeah, I was going to say the whole the whole thing's interesting. Like uh, Winston's part was supposed to be way, way bigger. And uh, um, God damn it. What's his name? What's the actor who played Winston? Like? Ernie, uh, it's not Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson was, you know, thinking that was going to be his big breakout role and that he was going to get all this screen time. And, and, you know, the script was right. And he was going to have all these funny lines. And then basically they gave all of of his lines to Bill Murray. <laughs> Something like the original script, Winston shows up on page 25 of the script, and then the final script, Winston shows up on page 75 of the script. <laughs> oh, man, now I want to watch Ghostbusters. This is so good. I love Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. Damn. <laughs> me, me with the lady friend just watching it with me and she goes I won't rewatch that and I was like yeah we can rewatch it I was like the only problem now is you rewatch it and you're like damn it Vinkman's a rapist like <laughs> every time it gets worse because because the first time I rewatched it I was like okay well he forces his way into her apartment then he forces his way into her bedroom then he starts going through her underwear drawers you know I mean all this stuff and you're like all oh, this is really bad <laughs> and then somebody pointed out that he says he sedated her with Thorazine, which means he had a syringe of Thorazine on him when he went on the date. <laughs> yeah, which but... which I, I'm sure is just a script oversight, but at the same time, that heavily implies some bad things. <laughs> well, he's a scientist. They carry stuff that you and I wouldn't carry. Well, technically, he's like a he's like a psychologist or something, isn't he? So it's it's not like unheard of for him to have access to it. But like you pointed out, you're on a date. Why do you have that with yeah. you? And she's we can a, say a we can say he's and he's dating her. It's, it's a two <laughs> two different types of relationships going on simultaneously. And we can also say he's a psychiatrist, but he's not a practicing psychiatrist that's, <laughs> like, that's not what he's doing but he is a practicing ghostbuster so that gives him some leeway <laughs> do you think they use a lot of thorazine and ghostbusting <laughs> never know when you'll need it i mean i guess it would have chilled slimer out <laughs> that's another thing i guess whenever they designed the final Slimer, because he said something like they went through like 30 or 40 different mock-ups of what they wanted Slimer to look like and kept wanting it changed. And finally, they saw the last and they're like, we like it, but what we want is you to make it look a little bit more like John Belushi because everybody will really like that more because it'll be like a tribute, you know, because he died right before that movie was made and stuff. And the guy goes, sure, I can do that. And he goes, and I went back to my shop and I stared at this thing. And he goes, and I tried to figure it out. And he goes, and I thought about it for hours and hours and hours. And, and then, of course, the next day they come in, they see it. They love it. We're good to go. And he goes, you know what I did? I didn't change a thing. I just told them. I changed it to look more like And they were all like, yeah, it looks great. That's funny. Was that Steve Johnson they were talking to? 
Yeah. Yeah, that dude admits he was on a lot of cocaine when they made that movie, so it's not surprising. That's pretty. Oh, that, that guy admits that movie was made in the 80s? That's yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's interesting that, like, they were in the process of making that movie and just adding stuff. You know what I mean? Like the, mm-hmm. the, the, the whatever they're called, the like demon dogs and added that wasn't originally there. The whole fucking Sigourney Weaver's entire character wasn't in the script at the time that they started basically making the movie. They added all that. That seems right. That's fucking crazy. Do you know how fucking stressful it would be to work on a movie like that? And they, these people did that all the time. <laughs> right. And it was, I can't remember what it was because they, they were shopping the movie around and they couldn't get anybody to buy it. And then finally somebody was like, no, I love this. I want it. And I want it to be in theaters May of next year. And they were like, that's plenty of time. And then, and then of course, it cuts everybody going, it wasn't enough time. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that's pretty much it. I, th- I, I, I didn't really watch anything else. I've been uh, busy, busy. What did you watch, Doug? Uh, let's see, a few things. I am continuing my Star Wars rewatch. So as promised uh, last week, I did watch Empire. Nice. Um, it's still awesome, in case anyone's yeah. wondering. <laughs> yeah, did Empire, the Stri- Empire, did. Empire Strikes Back become less awesome since... The last time I watched it a month ago, so it it actually became slightly more awesome for me because I managed to get my hands on some Blu-rays of the despecialized editions. Mm-hmm. So nice. essentially, you get to watch as close as you can to the theatrical release, but in Blu-ray quality, which yeah. was very pleasant for me. I've been wanting to do that for a long time. I have the whole trilogy, so I'll be going back and maybe rewatching A New Hope sometime soon. I just watched it, so I'm probably not going to watch it right away. But I might even just go back and play with it, rewatch certain scenes so I can see them play in their original theatrical form. <laughs> um, so that, that was fun. That movie's awesome. The timing issue that I mentioned last week, remember how I pointed out that Luke's on one planet for months and everybody else seems to be on the other planet for a couple of days and then they meet up and it's never addressed why those two time frames are so different I, I still think that's an issue in the movie but I just don't care because the movie's so good mm. um, yeah I don't know there's not much left to say about Empire Strikes Back so maybe <laughs> one else have anything comments they want to make about it while, while looking at regular Yoda were you constantly thinking about baby Yoda I was not constantly thinking about Baby Yoda because I freaking love regular Yoda in this movie. I think he's hilarious, and I think he's... Um, I think it's great the way he plays it out where he's like kind of all goofy, and then but then when he goes to walk, he walks like an old man, and you're like, well, wait a minute. What the hell's going on? <laughs> and I, I, thinking back to like the prequels where he'd walk with a cane but then suddenly have the energy to get into these big fights and flip around and stuff, and I think, like, oh, well, that is consistent with this character that they created for Empire, where he is sort of like crawling around and acting all goofy, but then when it's time to get up and walk, he acts like an old man. The... The scene where him and R2-D2 get into the fight and R2-D2 tries to grab something from him and he's hitting him with the cane is <laughs> love it. quite possibly 
my if you just distill something down into like three second moments of movies, that may be my favorite movie moment <laughs> of any movie ever. Because they're just fighting over a flashlight too, which is hilarious. Right. And what I love about that moment is knowing those characters and thinking back to it. Either one of them could have completely killed the other one in that moment, and neither of them did. They just like whacked each other in the like this weird toddler like fashion. Yeah, it's basically the equivalent of like the slap fighting that kids do. Just like stop it, knock it out. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and I mean like again the the magic of Star Wars being able to create multiple non-human characters that are played by you know metal and uh, foam rubber and then have us love both of them so much that when they fight we think it's the best thing ever <laughs> there's something special about the universe they've created so yeah um, I of stuff this week so I rewatched Clerks for the first time in a long time Mm-hmm. because I hadn't seen it in forever and I finally found it streaming somewhere it's surprisingly not streaming in a lot of places I don't know why that is but uh, that movie really holds up too if anyone's wondering <laughs> it really makes me long for a simpler time pre-cell phones and stuff when people would sit around and have discussions and not just pull out their phone and google the facts and read them off to each other yeah. it's just that the two guys just sitting around having long drawn out conversations about absolutely nothing is it's a part of the world I miss is that it's about really what snowballing is yeah <laughs> because if, if you brought that up in today somebody would be showing you a video of it in moments and I don't want to see uh-huh. that video <laughs> <laughs> no. try it go to, go to work tomorrow and bring it up and then <laughs> on your way to no, the HR I don't want to get fired <laughs> it's so let us know how that turns out. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, again, I, I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. I always have been. It's just, I don't know why it's been so long since I watched. Through. I really enjoyed going back. It really is a time capsule of a period that I'm nostalgic for. So. Yeah. Me and my, the- my friend Tim has talked about wanting to do, wanting to do like a podcast that, uh, uh, it would be like cut up into like seasons and the first season being like the original, uh, I don't know what the term would be. The first five like view askew movies yeah. and re- rather than like reviewing them, just kind of going back and talking about why they're sort of important in our film viewing history, like where we're at in our lives when we first saw it and what it meant and all that stuff. And I keep telling them we need to get on it, but. Yeah, yeah, that'd be. That's the thing with movies like that. Um, I think something that's kind of lost now because all movies are available to everyone always, mm-hmm. one format or another. You know, through Netflixes and all those other different services. Like back in the nineties, remember people would see Clerks and they would tell you about it, and you wouldn't. Like you have to wait for it to like come on TV or something or find that one copy that was not even in every video store. Like it was, it was a very different world back then. And, you know, a movie like that, especially too, because I'm, I'm sure I was never a guy that was going to become a filmmaker, but if you were like, you could see that movie and go, holy shit, like somebody just did it. Like mm-hmm. some guy just wrote a movie 
about him and his buddies. And now that's what he does for the rest of his life. Like the rest of us will never. We we it was so hard to conceive of this idea of just being able to make a movie by writing down what you think people should say and then just getting some people to say it. Like it always seemed like such a foreign idea. Yeah. And so yeah, especially really especially those those first five like Viewskew movies. It just I think about it and I think about how like by by the time like Dogma was out, how there was like you would go to websites that would have like a timeline breakdown of like when shit happened in this, in these series of movies, because you know, some shit happens out of order and everything. And it's like, well, Julie dies in the swimming pool here, but this takes place like after that and like all this stuff. And yeah, like there's just nothing, I don't know, nothing that like gets me excited. Like that was back in the day where you just sort of devour everything you would find about, these movies and Kevin Smith and how he made the movie and how all that shit worked. And it's, it's so interesting too, because like, like with the Marvel cinematic dealing with, it's these giant budget things and you know, there's this big corporation. So when they're making one movie, they've already essentially know that they're going to be able to make the next one. And you know, they make, they have a billion dollar budget for two Avengers movies. And so they can do whatever the fuck they want for a guy like, Kevin Smith to have created this cinematic universe in the 90s when he was working like the first movie was made on his credit cards and then they come along and they're like well we can do anything you want really like you you had a hit you can do what you want I kind of want to just I have a couple of the characters in this movie show up in the next movie and make bag references to this movie so that they're all set in the same world I'm like that's it's fucking ballsy and it's crazy and it's neat and that's like one of the things I like about Kevin Smith is it's just so cool that this guy gets to be rich and famous for doing whatever the fuck he wants. Mm-hmm. I wish I got to do that, but instead I do this. <laughs> yeah. It's, Didn't quite catch on the same way. No. But, well, he didn't see, he was smarter than us. He became a like multi millionaire filmmaker and then started. Podcasting, we tried to do it the other way. So, yeah. Damn it, we should have made film make films first. Yeah, I was gonna become a multimillionaire filmmaker and then get into podcasting, but then Ted walked by my desk one day with the word horror, etc., written onto a sticky note, and it all went to hell. <laughs> um. <laughs> Only part of that story is true. No. Anyways, we're, we're off on a weird tangent. Let's we'll get back on track here. <laughs> we're reading reviews again. Um, I know I started my Christmas movie rewatches, so I won't say anything about them but, or much, but I watched Home Alone and then Christmas Vacation and then Bad Santa all in one weekend. So now I'm nice. all pumped for Christmas and I'm going to probably get distracted and watch other things and not watch Christmas movies for a while, so. <laughs> but yeah, all three of those hold up. They're exactly what you remember them being. I'm sure most people watch at least one of those every year. Um, what else do I watch? Why, why, why do I have so much? Oh, because we have an, we had an extended week. That's why I have so much yeah. stuff here that I've watched. Okay. <laughs> um, 
So something I watched that was actually a first time watch that was actually interesting and fun and relevant to the this uh, podcast. Uh, the Peter Weller movie of unknown origin. Have you guys seen this one? I have not. It's been on my list for a while. It's 1983. It's Peter Weller. Now, the all I knew going in, the poster looked kind of cool. It's got Robocop in it. And the uh, tagline is the terrifying last word in home invasion from the director of Tombstone and Cobra. That's what it said on the poster that I saw. And I'm like, well... I'm watching that now, right? From the director of, like, in 1983, RoboCop, Home Invasion movie, from the director of Cobra. So I went into it not not even realizing that it was rats that invade his home, not humans. (laughs) And then this entire movie is about Peter Weller fighting rats and how his life just becomes more and more consumed with trying to kill these rats. And it starts to ruin his career. And he goes down this really dark path and it's fucking crazy 80s stuff it's just him like trashing his whole house so the movie literally uh... starts Peter Wells like a finance guy wearing like a suit and stuff and he like Mm -hmm. hears a rat and he calls like an exterminator he's like not sure I think it might might even start with him calling like a plumber because something's leaking and they're like oh a rat chewed through that well how could that be that doesn't make any sense by the end, his family's like gone on vacation, which he sends them. It's like the classic movie trope of he sends them off so he battled with the, the antagonist, but the antagonist is Rass. And his fucking family, like, they in front of the house and they get out. Weller victoriously stumbles out of the house wearing, like, he's wearing hockey pads from, like, the knees down. <laughs> he's just completely disheveled. And I believe he lost his job at this point, all from having rats in his house. And everything in the middle is exactly what you would expect it to be in the middle. He's like tearing through the walls trying to find rats. You get close up to the rats chewing on his fucking shit. <laughs> so I had a lot of fun with it. It's I can't argue that it's a particularly good movie. But if you're into crazy 80s movies, it it's one worth checking out. And of course, he's Peter Weller, so he's like, his performance is... It's what you expect from Peter and the uh, wife is played by Shannon Tweed and it said introducing Shannon Tweed so this might be her first movie her oh. first legit movie depending on how you determine it I'm not sure <laughs> oh Shannon Tweed so. yeah I didn't know it was about rats so that's interesting I, I had no idea <laughs> Just it was literally like like the 80s walking through the video store and picking up the box art I just saw the poster I went yeah I gotta watch that so <laughs> I don't even remember where I saw the poster somebody must have posted it to social media yeah, it seems but bad. yeah it's it's super fun it's super fun if you're interested in that kind of thing hmm. yeah, I'm gonna uh, check it out it's, it's, I'd say it's worth checking it out if I, for you because I know you're interested in that kind of thing <laughs> but I, yeah. I don't know like, I don't know how I'd recommend it to somebody who's just like well yes I'm a fan of film can you recommend me something of interest want to see see Robocop and hockey pad fighting a, a mouse no then, then not this one and they're saying what is this Robocop you speak of and then you punch him in the face and run away yeah 
don't think I'd run away. Running's <laughs> not really my thing, but yeah. so let's see. After that, the last thing that I watched is a movie. It's called A Christmas Horror Story. It's from 2015, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, somebody gave me a digital copy of this way back when it was new. It's been sitting there on my computer because I think I just didn't have time to watch it before Christmas of 2015. And mm-hmm. then I'm like, oh, I'll just keep it here until next year. And then a bunch of years went by. <laughs> and uh, when I, I was actually started to look for movies for our upcoming Christmas show, and I saw it on lists, and I'm like, wait a minute, I have a copy of that somewhere. <laughs> I should watch it just in case it's good. Um, it's not that good. Um, basically William Shatner okay yeah so it's an anthology film and the intercut like between the whatever you call that between the stories is William Shatner as a radio DJ so he's as a radio DJ and he's just doing his Christmas night countdown and he's what's the polite word for getting shit Faced while he's in TJ on the radio, <laughs> it, he starts off like talking about Jesus and stuff, and he's like, "I'm going to talk about Jesus on the air. It's not popular, but he's the Charles's birthday, and I think it's worth bringing up." And he's doing that thing, and then later on, he's just pounding back eggnog, and then by the end of the movie, he's just drinking booze straight out of the bottle, <laughs> rambling into a microphone, and I don't know, like. This is a low-budget Canadian horror film. I like most of the like. There's three different directors who direct the different mm-hmm. stories. None so of them have ever done anything else of note. Than Canadian so, TV and stuff, but somehow they got William Shatner to show up. So basically, you, are, like are you are you implying that they just gave him a bunch of booze and just let the camera roll? I don't think so. I think he's really <laughs> genuinely acting. I can't confirm or deny but like I think he's really genuinely acting and I think he does a great job and it's fucking phenomenal (laughs) now this and honestly like most of okay so there's that's your wraparound right Mm -hmm. and then you've got these basic stories which is so one of them is there's murders at a school one year later teens go back to do like a I don't know some kind of like a student news report about it and get locked in a school where the murders happened and oh my god there might be ghosts here oh my god there might be a killer here what's gonna happen um second story is family traveling on Christmas Eve and now they're getting chased through the woods the kid one kid's convinced that it's Krampus chasing him everyone else thinks he's nuts but is it really Krampus um, the I'm trying to think what the other story was. There's one other story, and then the best one by far is Santa is in his workshop, and he uh, the elves start to die off and come back as like zombified elves, and Santa <laughs> has to fight them all off. Yeah. And that story has a has a kind of it has a twist ending that I won't even spoil that ties it back into the wraparound stuff with William Shatter. <laughs> um, but they get, uh, do you guys know who George Booza is? Does that name mean anything to you? 
No. I should have I should have got sent you guys a picture of who he is. But he's just one of those guys that's been in like a ton of like action movies as like the tough guy. And now he's like older and his beard's gone white and he's the perfect for a violent action pack Santa. <laughs> and I, I absolutely love that storyline. The reason I wouldn't recommend this movie to people though is they have a little thing where they, they find ways to tie all the storylines in to each other. Um, oh, sorry. And the other story is like goes in the woods to cut down a tree. When they come home, their kid is acting all weird, and they start to think that the kid's been replaced by some sort of an evil troll monster, right? Mm-hmm. And each individual story is actually pretty good. Like that story is pretty decent with this kid who's like gradually acting more and more weird, and the dad can't deal with them, but the mom is, keeps defending the kid. The kids in the basement stuff is a little bit cheesy, but it's pretty good. The family getting chased by Krampus. The Krampus looks cool, so that's all that matters. Um, where the problem comes in is that I think they're trying to imitate Trick or Treat, and so they edited all these stories. Instead of just having a full story, cut back to William Shatner, and then a full story, cut back to William Shatner. Mm-hmm they interchange all the stories kind of thing so they're all progressing at the same time and in my opinion it just doesn't work because all the stories have very different feels to them and they have multiple directors moving on and working on the film and stuff whereas I think it'd be fine if they were completely separated so I think you could re-edit this into quite a good movie but the way they've released it I just didn't really like it that's a bummer. Yeah, so it's it it's really kind of a missed opportunity because <clears throat> I liked like I liked a lot of the elements of the of the movie. Um, I just I don't understand why they felt the need to jump back and forth between all the different stories instead of just telling them in a traditional anthology. Yeah, that is weird. Like, I I think it is just post-trick-or-treat people are thinking that's how anthology movies get done now and they wanted to tie into that idea but they probably already made this or filmed part of this in a way in a tra- more traditional anthology style and they're trying to recreate something else yeah so it's unfortunate so it's because a lot I think the story work yeah I was gonna say it does sound like the uh, trick-or-treat method to doing it but yeah if you can't uh can't pull that off. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah. And like I say, I, I think with Trick or Treat, there's one director, so everything has yeah. a similar tone to it. Um, there's also, it was made that way, right? It was always intended to flow. Yeah. So it, it all kind of works. Whereas with this movie, I think it feels. I can't. I can't say I wasn't there for production or anything, but it feels like they made the stories independently and then tried to edit them all together. Mm, yeah. Because they, the connections between the stories are really tenuous, and it, it would be fine to have the connection stories. Like, so, just as an example, like the kids that get that go into the basement of the school, they're all hanging out, and like this one girl shows up, and she's like, she's gotten them the keys to get into this building to go do whatever they're going to do. And then she goes off with her family, and they get locked in the school with the possibly with ghosts. And she's part of the family 
chased by Krampus. So the two stories are kind of connected in that way. Well, it's kind of neat to have them be connected like that, but you could still have the stories told completely independently and just have that one kind of scene in common where they interact. And similarly, like the, uh, the dad who, whose kid may or may not have been switched out for an evil troll. He's one of the cops from the original murder scene that those kids are investigating in the basement of that school. Okay, that's an, a neat connection between the stories, but again, you can still tell it in a way where you didn't have this. You can still tell the stories independently and just have that one character show up in both. Yeah. So it, it was it was kind of frustrating just watching it and just knowing there could be a good movie here and they, somebody's made a mistake. I don't know who I don't know who is responsible for that decision, but. Well, that's a bummer. When you so, first started talking about it, I was kind of interested in checking it out, but now I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, I, I wish it had made enough money that somebody would re-edit it and re-release it as just the individual stories. So. But, uh, yeah, so that one won't be in our discussion of uh, best oh. Christmas horror movies. That's coming. But, uh, it's a bummer. Yeah, that's uh, that's all I watched then. After that one, I was like, "Well, that's enough. I'm not watching anything else." Plus, <laughs> that was yesterday, and I record this podcast, so I can't watch anything tonight. Hmm. But um, let's see. I only watched two things. Uh, I checked out the movie that you recommended, uh, "The Shadow of the Moon." Oh uh, right, yeah. yeah. <sighs> I was really digging it up till the end of the movie. Okay. Uh, and a lot of people were... having problems with that ending. Yeah, the reveal just kind of left me like, meh. I won't get into it because it's like super spoilery for the movie, but just didn't do it for me. But I thought the rest of it was really good. I really liked the, the performances and just how everything was set up. Um, yeah, it's basically just that ending. But... Uh, it's on Netflix, so I'd still say give it a watch. The ending just didn't work for me, but I thought the rest of it was really good. Yeah. Well, like, what is specifically about the ending didn't work for you? Um, I'm just kind of, I just, number one, I kind of figured it out that it was going to be something close to that. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I hope it's not that. What are, you, what are you watching stuff? No, I was just te- checking hockey scores. And then oh, gotcha. Um, so, I mean, I kind of kind of had an idea of where it was going, and that kind of bummed me out. And I'm like, I hope it's not that. And then it ended up being that. So I just kind of, yeah. But I thought everything else was done really well. It's just yeah, the reveal. I, I just was not the- I found the the political messaging to be a little mixed and mm. incomprehensible. Yeah. Uh, um, because it is sort of like, on the one hand, it's kind of like this. I don't. I don't know if we should spoil it or not, but it kind of says, okay, there's one side of the political argument is going to cause a huge problem in the future, and what can we do about that using our time travel? 
and then it, it, it's kind of hard to know who they think the good guys are if that's an interesting way to put it yeah like like I think I'd mentioned it it kind of is its own take on that uh, would you kill baby Hitler yeah and it the way it the way it, it expands that question out as far as it does I think really muffles like the what the correct answer is which is interesting if you're trying to have a discussion about it but it, I don't know that there's a proper answer and sometimes it's feel like there is a proper answer it makes the discussion about it more interesting whereas if you feel like there is no actual answer then you kind of go maybe that's just a bit sloppy yeah yeah so, am i making any sense or yeah totally makes sense to me um it yeah. probably doesn't tell the people listening who haven't seen the movie but <laughs> <laughs> try and not spoil too much yeah. so. watch it make up your own mind like I said, I thought it was really well done. Yeah. It's just revealed didn't do anything for me, and I just kind of shrugged my shoulders like me. Um, and the only other thing I watched was the movie Good Boys. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you just need a movie with a bunch of kids who are naively saying inappropriate things. Uh, it's not going to change your life, but sometimes it's just funny. So, yeah, that movie was the definition of okay. I think I saw it when it, yeah. whenever it was in theaters. And it was just like, yeah, those guys are kind of funny. I'm probably never going to watch this again, but I don't regret yeah. spending that time doing it. Yeah, that's about that's about what it was. It was just like, yeah, that shit's funny. You know, them not understanding that you know a sex doll is not a CPR doll, and then them fucking selling it so they can buy get money to buy a new drone. I thought it was hilarious. Just sort of how that whole thing wraps up eventually. So, yeah. If you need some laughs, I would say definitely give it a watch. But, uh, you know, don't expect uh, don't expect gold out of it. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, all right, Noah, you going to tell us what we're going to talk about next week? Uh, so, I wanted to come up with something... Uh, Christmassy themed from what we had on the list, and I think I figured out the perfect thing because oh. you know he sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, and he knows what darkness lies in the heart of men, the shadow <laughs> and the phantom. <laughs> yeah, it's very Christmassy. Hey, nothing says Christmas like Billy Zane in a purple spandex suit. <laughs> so for our pre-Christmas episode, we'll be doing cheesy superhero movies from the 90s. That are based yes, on superheroes right. from like the 30s. Yeah, even superheroes is really... Are they super? Mm. No entirely sure but i mean technically they're both supernatural it's been so long that i wouldn't even want to comment on that so i guess we'll see we'll see uh billy zane and uh alec baldwin in superhero movies those two action stars Billy Zane and Alec Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> Can't imagine why those franchises just didn't take off. 
keep in mind the the shadow is the movie that Ted or Sam Raimi wanted to direct and he wasn't allowed to, so he made Dark Man. So I not be keeping that in mind. Something good I came out that of it. Might just be bad at that movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it also means that movie won't be nearly as good as it would have been had Sam Raimi been allowed to make it. It's true. Well, plus, uh, Liam Neeson is the shadow. <laughs> no, if it was Sam Raimi making it, it would have been Bruce Campbell. Also awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, well, before we take off, we're going to do our usual conversation about The Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, so after his, his shootout with... Uh, Apollo Creed's goons. He takes off and lands on a uh, planet that has like a bunch of like farmers and stuff on it. Figuring this would be a good place to kind of kind of wait out the uh, commotion that's going on. And it turns out all these villagers are being being marauded by marauders. I guess that's kind of what they do. And uh, they ask him for help. It turns out there's another. Uh, was she she was a rebel or something before the empire fell? Yeah, she's a rebel shock troop. Yeah. And so now she's hanging out here and they sort of team up to uh defend this village very uh seven samurai slash magnificent seven style from these marauders. Oh, and it I turns was gonna out- say this one actually actually in a way feels more like a uh like a, a monster attack movie in a weird way. Yeah. I mean, especially the way they shoot the, uh, the, the AT AT. Yeah. Let's say they end up having one of those on their side and you don't get a reveal of what it is until towards the end, which I thought was done really well. And yeah, a battle ensues. So what did everybody think of this episode? It is the weakest episode so far, but it's not bad. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that. I I liked it quite a bit, actually. I, I, I it, to me, it felt like in some ways they did uh, the most to tie it in to the original trilogy, which was kind of fun for me. Like when she just drops references to like, um, you know, she's a vet from the Battle of Endor or whatever, and expect you to know off the top of your head what that kind of means and stuff and we see that it's set in that universe I thought that was fun I thought the stuff with like almost having it be like that that walker is the monster from a horror movie and they have to find a way to kind of trick it um, was fun I, I think I think your reference to like Seven Samurai the idea that these guys show up in this little town and have to defend it have to train the locals like there's some kind of a futuristic version of the A team where they just they just happen to have a bunch of ray guns to give them. So they're like, We'll train you guys to all help out. We'll dig this cool trap and we'll do all this. And, you know. I thought all that was fun. I liked all the baby Yoda stuff. That's the stuff you can for a description is the fact that baby yeah. Yoda is spent this whole movie playing with other kids and yeah. it's friggin' adorable. <laughs> I kept waiting for him to float one of those other kids. I wanted it so bad. I wanted him to just like point it, do the thing, and the other kids floating up. Like if they were playing hide and seek or something, he just floats him out of his spot. But 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, towards the beginning of the of the episode, yeah, he he thinks uh, Baby Yoda's kind of fitting in really well, and so he's just going to leave him there and take off. And that made me really sad, but you know, then shit goes down, and he he ends up not leaving him there because he knows he's gonna people are going to be coming after him. So yeah. sort of get sort of get the best of both. You get this nice little fun like defend our village story, and then it's like ah fuck, well we can't stay here. So they're gonna have to take off again. See, I would I would argue it's the weakest episode for one simple reason. If you take any of the previous episodes and you strip out everything that is Star Wars, right? So you just take out the the branded stuff. It's this show's been kind of its own thing. Mm-hmm. For the most part, like, I guess there's other similar shows to it, but nothing really that close. I feel like this episode, if you Star Wars off of it, this could have been an episode of Firefly. I just show up on a planet. There's there's marauders. They have to the village to fight off the marauders. Everybody's happy. They move on to another planet. Like... It's like I said. It's not bad. I like the episode. I'm just saying it's this one's not. It doesn't have that extra little thing that the other episodes have had so far. I I, I I've never heard it be an episode of Firefly used as a criticism before. So I can take a minute before I try to respond to that. But uh, yeah, I, I I think you could make that argument with any episode of the show really that it's just a guy going on a little adventure and if you remove the fact that it's set in the Star Wars universe it could be something else I'm trying to think of other sim- I, everything I look at I'm like well that could just be an episode of Firefly where for some reason Jane has to go off on his own adventure that's, that's my response <laughs> to the, like how the other two would be episodes of Firefly um, I, I don't know I, just don't, I don't feel like this one felt that different from the other ones. Yeah, Plus, I, I do don't... think they're clearly setting it up, like building a team, right? You know, some kind like mm-hmm. that that female rebel, whatever her name was. Like she's coming back, right? We, we think that he's going to need help later, and she's going to join up with him and the other Mandalorians from the previous episode. And I assume. That's what... That's what I would expect. I was kind of bummed that she didn't go with him. I figured she would. She'd be like, "Oh, there's gonna be too much heat on this planet now," and just take off with him for more adventures. But nope, just back to yeah, back to I the expect- Mandalorian and the kid. But I, like, I, I suspect that we'll eventually, eventually characters will pop back up, mm-hmm. and or even if. Like depending on where they're going with this, I don't know how far ahead they've thought, but maybe other characters from other shows will show up at that, that town kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the episode. I thought the, the action was good. I liked the storyline. Mm-hmm. I liked, like, Baby Yoda stuff for me is what made this episode stand out. I was just like, I like that he's getting stuff to do now. He doesn't <laughs> just sit in a basket the way he did for the first couple episodes. 
And he gave us the awesome uh, Baby Yoda drinking his tea gif that we get to use all over the internet now. Yeah, I saw someone on Facebook was commenting how tired they were of seeing Baby Yoda. He's like, the internet's kind of ruined this. I get it. We get it. It's adorable. So, of course, I just responded with the Baby Yoda drinking tea gif. He got called yeah, me a jerk. <laughs> My personal favorite thing on the internet right now is the it's all the pictures of baby Yoda using the force like me opening automatic doors at age 6 and then it's old Yoda using the force it's me opening automatic doors at age 38 I'm like it kind of yeah pretty much same thing uh, yeah I've been seeing uh, uh, recreation of that Scarlet Witch versus Thanos scene from Endgame, but it's Baby Groot, and he said, you took everything from me, and Baby Yoda responds, I don't even know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, I enjoy I thought the the battle with the uh, ETST or whatever the fuck it is uh, was pretty awesome. Although someone did point out how uh, they're like, oh, well, nothing could break, nothing can stop it, or whatever. And then someone's like, oh, really? Because just a couple Ewoks and a log took it out last time. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit, well, they're right. They don't have any logs, though. So. <laughs> oh, they do, because they build those walls. Never mind. They don't have yeah. the Ewoks. That's the part they're <laughs> I did, you know what I thought? I don't know if this is intentional or not, but when the Walker that, um, that pond that they've dug out it's like tapping it reminded me so much of ed 209 when it gets to the stairs and it's like <laughs> i know i shouldn't do this i know i shouldn't do this then it finally takes the step and it's like fuck no i regret everything <laughs> <laughs> well so i i feel that there was a cop reference in this week's episode i don't know if it's correct or not. <laughs> everything goes back to robocop everybody knows that Pretty much. I don't need to go watch Robocop again. I know. God damn it. You're welcome. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post right. when you Please leave stop. the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.